is it you haven't seen the god you haven't seen Psycho? You haven't seen Why haven't you seen Jaws? Welcome, welcome, welcome to FilmWise, otherwise known as the Why Haven't You Seen This podcast, where each episode I have a guest that introduces me to a movie they can't believe I've never seen before. Today, my guest is Dan Fogarty from FogsMovieReviews.com. Hello, Fogs. Bubba, what's going on, man? Hey. Well, before we get to the real question, let's take a moment to get <laughs> to know Fogs a little bit better. Why don't you tell us a little about, about yourself and your site? All right. Uh, I'm Dan Fogarty. Uh, pretty much everybody can call me Fogues. That's been my nickname my whole life. Uh, I started reviewing movies on Fogues' Movie Reviews just about two years ago now. And shortly thereafter, I got into podcasting as well. And uh, it's all worked out pretty good. Still going strong. All right. Um, so I've got a few questions for you to to also get to let get to know you a little bit better okay uh so what three movies do you think you've watched the most times and have never gotten tired of it's a good question i can watch uh endlessly rocky three jaws and the godfather the first part and my the first part in terms of watches outweighs the second part by just an amazing number of times, but uh, I can watch those movies endlessly, endlessly. Nice. Um, those are all, all three. I'm familiar with all of them, and uh, <laughs> you could have chosen <laughs> any of those three <laughs> to start off this podcast because I have not seen any of them. Oh my god! So you haven't seen The Godfather either? No, I haven't. Oh wow! You're gonna. You've got a ton of material then to work with for this high concept. It's going to work out fine for you. Yeah, that, that's kind of what I figured. I've got nearly a clean slate, so anybody that comes into this has a wide – it's wide open for movies to choose from. All right. Well, um, in terms of those three, I've just – I can watch them endlessly. I can quote them. I'll tune in at any point in time and tune out. I mean, there's a lot of movies that I could have picked, Scarface, Pulp Fiction, but uh, those are definitely the three that are the most. All right, and then since my site focuses on, on the uh, superhero and kind of sci-fi action genre, what, what's your favorite one of those type of movies? Uh, I have to go with The Dark Knight, the one with Heath Ledger. I hate that you have to... Make sure that people don't think you're th talking about The Dark Knight Rises, but uh, <laughs> The Dark Knight was, was epic. That movie was incredible. Um, as far as I'm concerned, I think superhero movies really play off the strength of their villain uh, so much, and Ledger was just the greatest superhero villain we've seen yet. And that was an incredible performance. And, of course, the rest of the movie was fantastic, too. Great practical effects, great story, great themes involved of, like, security versus privacy, uh, that sort of thing. Just an amazing movie. That was a great flick. Yeah, that. ever since that came out, that's uh, I've, I asked that question to, to everybody that I talk to in terms of my site, and that movie definitely comes up the most often. And yeah. and it's and it's for a reason because it, it it is an amazing movie. Yeah, yeah, it's a great flick. 
So what's your what's your favorite era or genre of movie? Oh wait, you skipped over the one that I like the least. What's my least favorite? I was lining up to tee <laughs> off on this one. That's why I'm like, wait, I'm not, I'm not getting a, to sound off. Um, the the one that I hate the most is Fantastic Four Two: Rise of the Silver Surfer. I just think that movie is awful. It's an abomination. I, I can't stand what they did to the Fantastic Four. Uh, it killed the potential of that franchise, if there was any, because the first one wasn't that great in and of itself. But yeah, that movie is terrible. So yeah, it's it's been a while. I, I actually actually haven't rewatched those two movies, though I do own own both of them. I, I do remember I do remember liking them. Uh, whenever I first watched them, but uh, that that quite possibly may have changed. I I know that popular opinion is against it, sure. especially now. Although they are, as with every superhero property, talking about rebooting it soon. So yeah, yeah. Well, actually, that's one I would be in favor of because it needs a reboot. <laughs> Those first two <laughs> need to get the boot. Let's put it that way. Although I will have to say that uh, the the com the cast commentary on the first Fantastic Four movie yeah uh, is a really fun listen. Uh, Michael Chiklis especially he's a he's a fun guy to listen to on that commentary. Are they they just all get along well, or they're uh, you know they're they're ragging on the movie and each other? What's the what what's the deal? Uh, they just get along well. He's yeah. he's kind of cracking jokes. I don't remember if he's really ripping on the movie, but he's, he's just a pretty entertaining guy. Um, so let, let's go ahead and go back. What? So what's your favorite era or genre of movies? Well, I don't know if I have a, a favorite era per se. As long as it's a you know modern movie, I can watch it. I don't, I don't have a favorite decade or anything like that per se. I guess for a genre of movie, I, I I'm partial to crime movies and crime dramas, I think. Uh, you know, movies about the mob or, or just criminals. This mm -hmm. weekend's pain and gain. It doesn't really matter. Scarface. <laughs> you know, as long as it's people out there breaking the law, you know, I'm tuning in. I, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm just sick a little bit or something, but, uh, you know, I, I find it very interesting. And do you have a least favorite genre? No, uh, you know I I watch a lot of movies. I guess I'm not partial to romances. How's that? Like if it's just two people getting all gooey eyed and falling in love, you know? Yeah. Yeah, give me something a little else <laughs> outside of that, personally. But even that, I can I can enjoy a good romance if it's if it's a well done film. Yeah, if it if it's not overly sappy or right, or if it's not completely leaning towards the feminine, that sort of thing. Yeah, no, no, I've got one more question to to, to spring on you. Uh oh. And, and going with the, the theme of this uh, podcast, uh, what movie have you not seen that surprises the most people? You know, we I I did a. I did a pretty lengthy discussion of this on my podcast with my podcasting partner, uh, Chris Tansky, because for a while, um, 
when we were starting out, I had two running segments <laughs> of how, you know, has Tank seen Scarface and has Tank seen Apocalypse Now, where I basically badgered him into watching those two movies by, you know, inserting clips and doing trivia every week. And uh, they were fun segments, but they're over now. He, he, yeah, did, he did watch them both. Yeah, um, I did. Uh, I didn't. Uh, whenever I came into your site, it was in, in the middle of the uh, has Tink seen Apocalypse Now. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and, you know, and then his site or he hails from underscoopfire.com and they did uh, like a, a confession podcast where they, you know, they admitted all the films they didn't see or didn't get or didn't like. And it was very popular. So the subject came back around. Uh, you know what? I don't have any that I'm really ashamed of, like the holes, because I've sought those movies out my whole life. Like all those big name popular movies, I'm really pretty well versed in. I, I think I've landed on the one that I haven't seen is probably the biggest is The Sound of Music. Hmm. And that's not that bad. You know, it's yeah. like from the 60s. It's a musical. You can see why I wouldn't have seen it. But, I mean, you're not getting me on Scarface or Apocalypse now because I didn't want to be left out of that conversation. So I, I've been actively hunting down all those movies for years. Classic movies you can get me on. Like if we're talking about pre-1960, you know, there's a lot of gaps. There's a lot of holes. I haven't seen, uh, you know. But I still have a decent versing uh, in classic movies. So, but anything after 1970, if it's big or award-winning or it made its way into popular culture, I've tracked it down by now. I'm thinking. Oh, nice. I'm. Well, that's kind of what I'm hoping to do. And you are the the first guest. And why don't you tell me about the movie? that you couldn't believe that I have not seen. Well, just a, just a few <laughs> weeks ago, I I did a post on my blog about Jaws, and you had commented uh, in a reply that you hadn't seen it, and that's one of the ones that, that made my, you know, jaw hit the floor. And, you know, if we were doing a podcast together regularly, it would have been Has Bubba Seen Jaws <laughs> as a regular segment? Because I think that's an enormous – I mean, that's a pop culture icon of a movie. It's a very iconic film. It's still in the pop culture vernacular today. Um, people still love to quote Quint. And I don't think you can show the shark from Jaws and not have people – immediately know what movie it's from, even if they haven't seen the movie. The, it's just iconic. Um, so I definitely had to put that one right out there and say, you know, this this should be the first movie that you should see for this feature. All right. Well, I, I did actually watch it last weekend. Uh-huh. And I, I really enjoyed it. I think it's kind of funny because my wife is actually terrified of sharks. Okay. Because and of this movie by any chance? Actually, that's that's what's surprising because it seems like that a lot of people if they say that they have that they have a fear of sharks and you ask them why, it's because they've seen jaws. Right. But um she's actually scared of sharks outside of the movie, so she didn't want 
to see Jaws. Okay. Yeah, it's not going to help. Let's put it that <laughs> way. If you're if you're afraid of sharks, I can't really recommend Jaws to you in in good conscience. But she didn't kind of jump in about halfway in the movie, and and uh, it was actually helpful for the movie because whenever the the handful of kind of jump scares came out. She, she was screaming. The one. No, she wasn't that far, but she she did definitely jumped quite a bit and uh, was holding on to me. So it her jumping made me jump even more. Okay. Now, were you familiar with the 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 details of the movie? Like, I I have to think if you hadn't seen this movie until now, go, you must have gone into it just knowing everything. I mean, were you able to avoid? a knowledge of the movie or well there there was there was definitely quite a few things that that I recognized like the the whole kind of like I knew about the opening scene with with the girl getting attacked yeah um, I, I I thought it was kind of interesting cuz the another kind of segment that I was familiar with was uh the the line that's some bad hat harry <laughs> yeah right um and then the uh, uh, the scene with them comparing scars, because yes. uh, Kevin Smith pulled that and used that in Chasing Amy, and I'm a big Kevin Smith fan. Okay. So I I recognize I recognized that right away, and I had actually seen um, a, a few minutes of this movie. Before this, I I did see like basically the ending with with the uh, the shark smile, like, you son of a bitch. So you knew they got the shark in the end, right? Of course. I mean, it's a Spielberg movie. He's not he's not leaving you hanging. It's not a downer ending. Let's put it that way. Well, it kind of is. You know, Quinkett's chowed. That's yeah. that's not that's not good for people. And he's gone to kind of the. Most popular character, well, maybe next to Brody, just for his all his colorful language. It's the accent that does it, and the the gruff the gruff personality. Yeah, that's he was definitely a a, a fun character, and and I liked him throughout the movie. I also really liked uh, Chief Brody. Which yep. I think it's kind of funny because the the first thing that I had seen the actor in is was actually uh, he did a sci-fi TV show called Sequest DSV. <laughs> he played the captain in that show, <coughs> and I watched. Uh, I'm just I'm just kind of chuckling <laughs> about you know coming to Roy Scheider via Sequest. <laughs> That's that's kind of funny because that was definitely the tail end of his career, just to you know to say it. Yeah, but I, I did actually I did like that show, but um, yeah, the, I was whenever I watch this show, I mean it, this movie, it's it's iconic and it's it's got so much stuff that in it that's great, like the. The entire second half of the movie, it, as soon as they get on the water, it it just, just shifts into a higher gear. Right. 
Um, the John Williams score really kicks in at that point. Um, you know, not just uh, the main theme from that movie gets all the credit, you know, the dun 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 uh, but all the other music in that movie is incredible as well. Uh, you know, especially when they're chasing the shark on open water at high speeds, the music there is incredible. And, uh, you know, of course that's when you actually get to see the shark, uh, it's legendary now that technical difficulties prevented Spielberg from using the shark as much as he wanted in the movie, but it, it has the effect of, you know, building up to this reveal where they show the monster so much. So that it's kind of become like a Hollywood axiom that you don't show the shark until the third act. Uh, and so many monster movies follow that today. Yeah. And, like the the scene with the barrels, the right. like all the, all the stuff with the barrels is just done. It's done so well. It's, and that and that was all accidental. Well, not accidental, but it was a workaround. Is is the the term for it? The barrels weren't in the script until they couldn't shoot with the shark, and then they put the barrels in. So it's good stuff. Yeah. The, although uh, one thing that that kind of that threw me off just just momentarily is I I'm a, a big fan of MythBusters and yeah. I believe they they uh, they no, prove that there's no way a shark could could uh, take down three barrels. There's no way that he could blow up the shark with the compressed air either. The explosion I'm sure with one bullet and just blow up that whole tank. I don't know. But uh, it's movie magic that you never question it, you know? At least I didn't. I I didn't think about any of that stuff for years. Yeah, the one one thing that – one other thing that that I thought was kind of interesting in the first half of the movie, like I I never really kind of looked into very much discussion about Jaws since I haven't seen it. But Mm -hmm. I I seem to notice several scenes where there was like two conversations going on at the same time. Like there's, uh, yeah, like uh, in the beginning, whenever uh, Brody's on the phone and and his wife right. and, and son are in the background talking at the same time, and there's a, a couple other times where I noticed that, and I just thought that was interesting. It's not something that that really you see anymore, right? Well, nowadays they you know, who who talks into a wall phone anyways, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was funny that he had two phones too and the the top one didn't work. I I didn't didn't quite understand what what the uh Well, he needed the home phone for the Brody family and then the police phone because uh, he's Chief Brody, he's chief of police, man. It's like the the bat signal. <laughs> <laughs> The bat phone, Bubba. I'm putting it in terms that you, know, <laughs> you can relate to there. I see now that that makes sense. I I didn't really uh, catch that at first, but yeah, it's I I really loved it. Um, is there? It's, it's an amazing flick. I mean, there's a reason that it became as big as it it was, and a reason that it's still in the pop culture. 
uh, vernacular today because it's it's so rock solid. I mean, the acting is perfect. The music is, I mean, that was John Williams right at the the height of his powers. And, uh, you know, of course, that was Steven Spielberg's uh, breakthrough movie. It wasn't his first film, but uh, it was the one that brought him to the attention of America. Do you remember the first time you saw the movie? Uh, I was I was young. It was probably when it first hit television. So back then, it was, you know, it was released in '75, and it went all the way. It would it would run all year long, I'm sure, because back then movies actually stayed in movie theaters all year long if they were successful. Um, and then it probably took a year or two out of theatrical circulation before it hit television mm-hmm. uh and and then so 77 or 78 i would have seen it you know i was a little kid seven eight years old that kind of age and uh my dad made me watch it <laughs> i still remember when ben gardner's head rolled out of the boat i jumped and you know he was like oh i'm sorry i thought they would cut that out <laughs> you know but yeah, so I, I saw it right from Jump Street. I didn't get to see it in theaters, but as soon as it hit the uh, movie of the week, I, I was on it. And, of course, after that, I was in love with it ever since. Yeah, I can see why. Did it uh, Did it give you any, any sort of uh, fear of sharks, do you remember? Nah. nah. <laughs> we, we thought they were cool. If anything, it, it went the other way. I loved sharks and I still watch like shark week and, you know, shark, uh, shark documentaries and that sort of thing. It's good stuff. Cool. So do you have any final thoughts on Jaws? Nope. I'm just glad you saw it. Glad I was able to hook you up and, uh, glad to get this series off on the right foot. That's, that's a big one. And now you can just scratch it right off your list. I have. And there's, I've still got a plenty long list ahead of me, and hope hopefully this will this will turn out well. But uh, so in in return, I since I watched a movie that I've never seen, I charged you with watching a movie that you've never seen, and sure. like Jaws, Superman had a bit of a troubled production. Uh, Richard Donner was actually shooting Superman 1 and 2 simultaneously, but there was some tensions between Richard Donner and the, the Salkins, who were the producers on the movie, and he had to change his schedule so he could finish the rest of his scenes to complete Superman the movie in time for its release date. And what happened next still isn't in, entirely clear, but there was definitely some sort of disagreement between Donner and the Salkins, and on top of that, there was also the the big financial disagreement between the Salkins and Marlon Brando because he got a huge fee for the first film. Mm. And so they, they wanted him out of the second film so they didn't have to pay him any more money. Right. And, and so they ended up taking Richard Donner off the project and they brought in Richard Lester to finish directing the rest of Superman two. And by Donner's estimation, he had already filmed about 75 to 80 percent of the needed scenes for Superman 2 during his simultaneous production. And then after Lester came in, he actually he took some of that footage, but he did major reshoots 
and he he probably only used about a 25 to 40 percent of Donner's footage and ended up reshooting the rest of it. So cut to many years later, and Brian Singer comes in and he starts working on Superman Returns, which is is more or less a, a love story to the first two Donner Superman films. And suddenly there's a resurgence in interest in what could have been a, a Donner cut of Superman 2. The the fans just kind of started clamoring for it, and the internet was really, really abuzz with what that could have been. I think there was even some fan edits that had, had gotten some underground footage and put together a fan edit of what they thought a Donner cut could have been. And so... Because of all this buzz, Warner Brothers went to Richard Donner, and uh, they got him to look at all the the stock footage that they had, and they uh, they upgraded it, remastered it, and they came out with the Richard Donner cut of Superman Two. So, um, let me ask you: Have you seen the original Superman Two, the Richard Lester version? Oh yeah. Um, for many years, Superman 2 was my answer to the movie question, is there a movie you loved as a kid that, that doesn't hold up as well now? Uh, because I did, I loved it a lot as a kid. I thought it was so much better than the first movie because there was more action, etc. Um, and then, you know, many years for whatever reason, Past in between seeing Superman 2 uh, and and growing up. And then when I went back to it, it, it was like seeing it with totally different eyes. And and that movie's kind of a mess. Um, I, I still enjoy Superman 2, uh, but it really did have a lot of flaws. So the door was wide open uh, for a better cut of this movie to be made. So now that you've seen the, the Donner version... Um, what did you think of it? Well, it, it, yeah, it's I'm I'm pretty amazed. Still, you know, the storyline basically follows the exact same storyline. Uh, it's it's really high level the same movie. Like if you're going to just do plot points and um, you know you're trying to summarize the movie, let's say for a review, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, the high level plot description would still be the same. But the the action and the tone of the movie are much more serious. And he gutted, you know, the sappy Niagara Falls romance between Clark and Lois that really just was a you know a weight on the movie. Um, I still think there's a lot of issues because he he has some things in there that you know just I've never been able to wrap my head around as a fan, but. Uh, but at least they took the you know that S scene out where he peels the S off his <laughs> chest and he like flings it at the. I'm like, what? When did that ever happen? Uh, you know, there was just a lot of weird stuff that that went on in that movie in the Lester version, and it seems to be gone. What'd you think? You're obviously a fan of the Donner cut more, right? Yeah. I've- Whenever, whenever I started my blog, I I started it with the first four Superman movies, mm-hmm. and um, 
And I I like the the second uh, Superman, but out of the four, I like the first one a lot better. And then um, it wasn't until about a year later, whenever I was at a used movie store, and I managed to pick up the Donner cut for uh, in the clearance bin. And then I watched that, and I I couldn't believe how different the two movies could be in in terms of tone and and how much and how many different scenes there were and even for the when there were the basically the same scene that they he used different takes or whatever different and, takes right and it was like almost a completely different movie i thought clark is much less of a wimp in the donner version he's almost an angry clark kent at times i thought and, and i had never really picked up on that before so i assume that you know, a lot of that is is Donner's choices, etc. Um, there are there are still some of the things that I I still just can't wrap my head around. Or, you know, why would he need to give up his powers in order to be with Lois? You know, I, I guess I I guess they're working that device in so that at the end of the movie he has an excuse to to rob them of their powers, but. I've always felt that that was kind of an anticlimactic ending. It was a cool trick. I loved it when I was 13, um, but I, I kind of still wish we got to see some kind of fight. You know, they they did have a great fight scene in New York City. Don't get me wrong. I just yeah, wish I, it ended with a fight. That was the other thing that I was so surprised about because I, I remember one of my biggest issues in the, the Richard Lester version of Superman 2 was the fight scene in New York. It just seemed hokey. It, it seemed silly. It it also seemed like the the effects, like the wire work was just less. There right. were some some problems with it. But then watching the, the Donner cut, uh, it the Donner cut held holds up a lot better as a fight scene. Yeah, absolutely. And I had wondered that myself when I watched that uh, this time is just why why they would cut some of those excellent special effects that they had. Um, it, it definitely had a lot more muscle. Let's put it that way. The Donner the Donner cut fight scene of the New York City fight scene between uh, Superman and Zod and his two henchmen uh, is is much better, much more modern feeling, uh, faster paced. I don't know, maybe maybe they picked up a lot in the edits too, Bubba. Um, you know, I didn't do like a side by side comparison or anything, but uh, maybe uh, a little better editing. I, I did see some of the things that they cut out were like some of the comedy bits that were inserted into that middle of the scene. <laughs> yeah, like the the guy on rollerblades being blown away. And yeah, I mean the toupee. Yeah, you don't need any of that stuff. It's just wrong at that moment in time. You know, that's not the time for a comedy beat, really. Uh, so there's an improvement just taking that stuff out. Um, some of my other issues, though, I've never wrapped my head around Superman spinning the Earth backwards. And um, I guess in the in the Lester version, he he wipes Lois's memory with the the magic kiss, right? Yeah, the and amnesia then, kiss. Yeah, and then which which isn't great either. That's not a great way to wash your hands of Lois knowing his identity uh, either. But then 
in in the Donner cut, he he ends with Superman spinning the world backwards again to reverse yeah. time, which I've always I mean, even listen, I was 10 years old the first time I saw Superman <laughs> the movie. And even then I knew that that wouldn't turn back time. It would just mess with the tidal patterns of the oceans, <laughs> create earthquakes. You know, people would be falling all over the place. The ecological system would be thrown into turmoil, but it would not turn back time. So yeah, that that was my biggest issue with the, the Donner cuts. But the, I kind of give it a pass just because they had planned to write to to write a uh, an ending for the second one because originally the the turning back time was going to be the ending of the second movie. And then whenever he was on the, the time constraints and he had to finish the the first movie, he That's shifted the ending. It. Yeah, he shifted the second ending into the first movie, and he figured, well, we'll rewrite the second ending. But before they got the chance to rewrite the second ending, he got fired. Wow. Yeah, that you could you could kind of tell too watching the Donner cut that they that they could have made a much better movie if they had a little time to do. Um, you know, some reshoots or create some filler spots here or there. It seemed really lean and, and mean. Um, but there were times when I, I had to give it a pass because I knew that it wasn't a full creative vision, if you will. So, but I did like it. It's definitely superior to the original. There's no doubt about it in my mind. Much less silly, you know? Yeah. And I, I enjoyed that. Uh, are hopes high over there for Man of Steel? Yeah, I've I've watched the the second or the most recent trailer a couple times, and that is a massive improvement of any of the the trailers I've seen beforehand. Absolutely, you can say that again. And it, it just seems like they've they've got the tone of Superman right, mm. it, at least as far as I can tell in the trailers. I. That's a new origin story, but it has the the thing that interests me about the movie that you can kind of tell they're going to be touching on in the trailer is his kind of uh, young adult, uh, like uh, where he steps away from his powers, kind of mm. where he's just trying to escape everything, like the parts of the, where he's got the beard. And uh, Lois Lane has a line that he spent his whole life covering his tracks. Right. I'm I'm wondering, is there no Clark Kent in this now? Or I mean, obviously when he's a young kid and he's in high school or whatever, but um, it doesn't. It certainly doesn't look like he he goes to work for the Daily Planet in any of the trailers, right? I know the Daily Planet's going to be in the movies because Lawrence Fishburne has been cast as Perry White, but um, they sure don't show him as Clark Kent at all, do they? Uh, not in the trailer so far, although I thought I remember seeing um, somebody tweeted that there was a, a clip of, of of Clark Kent at the Daily Planet, so I think he's probably going to be in there. Okay, all right. Just... Looked like he was a fisherman to me. Clark Kent the fisherman. Well, I mean, it, catch. it's like a two and a half hour movie, so. Yeah, right. Yeah, I don't know how much of a fan I am of, of that. I, I, I kind of wish we'd get back to the, the days of the edit, and away from the days of the epic, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So we'll see. 
It doesn't always lend itself to a better movie to be a longer movie. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. But I, I, I am looking forward to it a lot. I am too. There's a lot riding on it, you know, uh, for the Warners and DC stable of superheroes and the future of their superhero movies. They are, they are counting on that one to be a big hit. So let's hope. I think that wraps it up for the first episode of FilmWise. I'd like to thank you a lot for, for joining me on this first episode. Uh, no problem, Bubba. Thank you for having me. Where can they find you if they want to get a hold of you online? Okay. Yeah, uh, I blog for my website, uh, FogsesMovieReviews.com, F-O-G-S, MovieReviews.com. Uh, I also have a podcast that we do weekly. It's the title pending movie podcast with Tank and Fogs. And you can find that on Stitcher Radio or iTunes or through, again, my blog. I am Bubba Wheat. You can find me on Twitter at Bubba Wheat and on my site, flightstightsandmovienights.com. If you would like to know how many movies I haven't seen, you can check out my Letterboxd account at letterboxd.com slash Bubba Wheat. And I have a watch list there with listing of many great movies that I have yet to see. And next week, my guest will be Aurora from Citizen Screen and Once Upon a Screen. And if you'd like to know what movies we're watching, stick around and listen to my mashup trailer at the end and see if you can tell which two movies we'll be talking about. This is Bubba Wheat. Until next time. To some, it was the fulfillment of a dream. To others, it was an instrument of destruction. As day breaks over the murder house. Where are you? What's this all about? Why don't you come out and see for yourself? Where's the package? A strange woman who left her mark on all of us, who crossed her path. Are you trying to kill yourself? Has it ever occurred to you that I may have a life of my own, that there, there may be some girl that I'm crazy about? Shoot him! We've got the girl. Yes, come out to see for yourself the film that reaches a new milestone of dramatic daring.